Ah. I saw you in Legum magazine recently, Vela. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I was honored they, they asked me. Yeah, I really enjoyed that article, actually, that interview. Thank you. Yeah, it was a nice, it was nice doing, well, I mean, talking to them and, yeah. Yeah, no, it's really nice to see a different side of people, you know, other than work personas. Yeah, I like to read that from other, about other people too, about their life or their other interests or passions. Uh, I love the magazine, the, the articles mm. in there. There's some brilliant photography and cycling photography as well. Oh, that's thanks to David Stockman. Uh, yeah, he, he uh, spent the whole afternoon with us, following us. It was really uh, an amazing afternoon, uh, a memorable one, because it was like the coldest day of winter. It was freezing cold. And there was this very heavy north uh, northeaster wind, and yeah, there were like really big uh, pushes sometimes uh, from the wind, uh, from the side wind, if we have to go uh, downhill. And uh, yeah, but it was fun. It was fun. And there was ice on the road and we had to step off, even go <laughs> to a meadow because there was ice on the road, like a whole um, um, of, uh, puddle of water, but a very big one. So the car had almost trouble to go through it. Even. So it, I was uh, going to ask, did he follow you on a bike or in a car? He was following in the car and then riding in front of us. I, I gave him directions like sec second street to the left or next street to the right. He usually uh, stopped um, on, on intersections and then already get out, the camera out, until <laughs> we were ra racing by. <laughs> so it was fun. Sometimes we, he photographed us when we just passed and, and uh, from the back. So he was always like getting ahead of us and then behind us. Like, yeah, he followed us all the time. Yeah. No, it's really, really good. Chris Daynow, I think I got that pronunciation right. He said to me on Twitter earlier on, he wants me to make sure that we get some cycling chit chat. <laughs> into the podcast this week <laughs> okay. he has it <laughs> it's not gonna happen <laughs> no i just thought that it was really helpful to not just talk about cycling but you know to learn that you started this obsession because you were feeling burnt out and you know maybe a little disillusioned with work in fact i think you actually said yeah all of a sudden i didn't want to do anything it was tough i'm telling you i don't i hope nobody i don't i don't I hope nobody uh, else uh, has to deal with it like uh, in a heavy, heavy way because it hit me like after South by Southwest and I thought I was jet lagged. I was tired and, 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 but then it got worse and worse and worse. And I didn't want to do my job anymore, which I so loved doing. I mean, designing, creating, I'd, I was just empty. And yeah, I, it was with ups and downs, but. At some point, it was really bad. Like, I couldn't focus. I couldn't, I didn't want to go into the office and, and sit behind, uh, sit after at my desk and work nothing. And, and hard time focusing, uh, felt dizzy sometimes. Um, it was weird. <laughs> I made big mistakes as well, <laughs> stupid mistakes, like just pure because I couldn't concentrate and focus. Left my keys on the door, front door, and bank cart, and in the machine stuff like that. <laughs> and what a lot of people don't realise, I think, is that 
particularly those of us that are you know, either running businesses where we're dealing with clients or we're freelance where we're dealing with clients, you've always got to put a brave face on it. Yeah. You know, nobody's going to want to hire somebody that, you know, isn't upbeat or confident or motivated or something like that, at least not on the outside. So at one level, we just have to keep keep this kind of it's true. facade. It's true. If I tell people that I was burned out during like a period of two years, they was like, huh, really? I didn't see. No, they didn't see. My family didn't see. Nobody didn't see. It's like, yeah, work and life goes on. But I had trouble getting up in the morning and was always tired. tired. So I did, took naps in the afternoon and get to bed early and... Yeah, I had to find something that I that that I was enthusiast and and get got um, you know get my mind off. And cycling was ideal. I wanted to go outside and do something different. Um, it it yeah it helped me through that period. So step by step, I got better and better. But in the beginning, it was really tough. I mean, I had to do work. I had to force myself and it was hard to get ideas, to get creative. That was the hardest thing because my mind yeah. wasn't, was empty. <laughs> if there's one word I can describe, it's empty and, 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 and depressed also. It was like, what's the point? Like sometimes you've just got to stop. I mean, we've just come back from a big break, you know, six weeks nearly in Australia. And before we went, you know, I was feeling tired and I was, we'd come off a couple of big projects, but you know, so I, I thought to myself, even I'll have a couple of weeks of, you know, holiday, but I'm sure that I'm going to want to fiddle with things. I'm going to want to maybe write some copy or work on my own redesign or whatever in six weeks away. I thought I can't possibly do six weeks where I'm not working on anything. Yeah. Okay. I check with email and, you know, make sure that there are no crises that I need to deal with but in terms of actual me doing work I thought I can't possibly go through six weeks and do nothing well yeah I did mm -hmm. and <laughs> there was nothing in the world that was going to make me want to open sketch at any point during that, that six weeks because I was just done yeah. you know I needed time off and I think you know we're constantly busy yeah we you know whether it's thinking about things or whatever and we just need time or space or something occasionally to just not because that's you mm -hmm. know it's not just to repair i think it's that's when we actually have ideas and when we're constantly kind of you know thinking about things it's like being on a hamster wheel yeah you you, you just don't have the time to just go stop and I wasn't aware of, of, of how busy I was before. We didn't take a proper holiday. Our holidays were always combined with conferences. And then at that conference, I usually had to speak. And I'm like someone who is usually uh, <laughs> very nervous, you know me, up front. And I want to be, be well prepared. So it took me time to prepare the whole presentation but then when you're back from the travel you have to catch up with all the work so it's like a double effect it's not like you come home and you're relaxed and you're back from holiday it's always like the opposite you're stressed because you have to catch up with all the work but the conferences were always combined with visiting friends and and so we didn't realize it that it, we weren't taking holidays we were half half uh, working <laughs> so And it was, it went on like for five years in a row. And then all of a sudden it was too much. 
I think this is going to be a bit of a recurring theme, maybe, for our conversation. Not that it's going to be, you know, we're not going to be sad and down and morose about the whole thing. <laughs> but I think this whole, um, you know, needing to take stock and perceptions about, you know, what people see of us or, or designers in general, kind of from the outside, I think it's kind of going to be a bit of a, a topic for today. Have you ever been in a magazine, Dan? Um, I've been in Net Magazine. I've written a cover feature for them and, and a couple of articles and stuff like that, but... No, I've been really meaning to um to grab a copy of Elliot's new magazine. Actually, I've not actually I've only seen it kind of when people have posted it online, and uh, I feel like I'm missing out on something pretty amazing because everybody says that it's really good. So, um, yeah, I definitely want to check that out. You've not been in Men's Health or GQ or anything like that. No, I mean they're, they're always asking me, but I'm just too busy. Let's just turn them down. Ah, it's understandable. I suppose that is as good as an introduction as you're going to get, to be honest, because, no, actually, I should introduce you both properly, because this week is a sort of design episode of Unfinished Business, and I'm joined by designer's designer Dan Edwards. Hello. And the legendary, one of my favourite people in the whole world, Vera Peters. (laughs) You are too kind. (laughs) It's true. I'm not making that bit up. I don't say that to everybody. (laughs) Anyway, let's go back to talking about magazines, Ed, for a little while, because I'm, I'm not a, a regular magazine buyer. I'm going to pick something up. You know, I'm going to browse through something at an airport, but I hardly ever buy anything. Actually, I tell you what, I did buy a magazine. There was While we were in Australia, we were sitting in this bakery in Margaret River, which I tell you what, you have to go there. Vila, you're just going to love it there. I mean, you can actually just, just I don't care how you get there. Yeah, it's go a there long and ride flight. Bicycles. <laughs> oh, I know, but it's so <laughs> worth, it worth it. it? <laughs> it's really worth it. It's the most unbelievable place. Um, and we actually did some bike riding because Sue and I got on a bike. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, our bottoms hurt the following day. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that happens when you're not used to the saddle. <laughs> yeah, trust me, yeah. I was not used to the saddle. 25 miles, I did not want to sit down ever again. No. Anyway, this, this magazine, it's, um, I found this magazine, it's called Frankie, and it's actually really good. It's a... An Australian design and art and photography and fashion and travel and craft magazine. And it's really, really good. So actually, this kind of got me inspired to look at, you know, sort of, I don't know what we call them. What do you call them? Kind of boutique magazines, I suppose. There's definitely been a resurgence, I think, isn't there? Things like off screen um, becoming really popular. And obviously, Elliot's uh, new mag- new magazine, but also his last one, Eight Faces as well. They're kind of not your typical magazines there's something quite beautiful about them it seems that um people are taking more care of print which is something i think um well i I certainly enjoy because um i was sort of bored of just reading you know web designer magazine you know it sort of it didn't give me any inspiration at all it was you know just full of various tips and articles and i think um the recent redesign of netmag actually has been been really good for the magazine because it's sort of got um even to the points where the more practical advice has different uh paper texture and stuff like that i think there's little niceties that you just don't get with with most um magazines but particularly like you say these sort of boutique style magazines like uh look and and off screen um they're just stunning like beautiful they're little books really aren't they the things you want to have we were in a really nice i don't know what you'd call it really it's one of those kind of designery shops in melbourne where they sell this type of magazine and they sell you know really nice stationery and you know just just kind of crafty stuff but nice 
Um, and, you know, things that you just wouldn't normally find, you know, in other places. There's also some really nice watches, actually. And there was a whole ton of those kind of magazines. And I, just, I would just, if we hadn't been short on actual luggage space, you know, we were kind of creaking up to our weight limit on the suitcases coming home. I would have probably filled a suitcase for the magazines to go. It's some really good ones. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's, um, it's definitely nice to see that people are paying more um, attention to print because it's one of those things I think, you know, um, as the webs become more popular, people just said, oh, print is dead. You know, um, nobody, nobody uses print anymore. You know, nobody's going to be using, you know, business cards or um, nobody's going to be doing letterheads and stuff. And actually, I think what we've, well, certainly what I've seen anyway is, is kind of people taking more care of their print. There's definitely kind of this big divide between there's the, there's a sort of, we have a company in the UK here, Andy, you probably have heard of it called uh, Vista Print. I knew Boudou. you were going to say Vista oh, Print. You know, this sort of cheap and dirty um, business cards. But then you have the other end of the scale where people are, um, you know, like Move, for example, who are now doing letterpress cards. And, you know, I think paying attention to print and, and actually having something physical is something that people miss. It's certainly something that I miss about um, when I started out as a graphic designer, um, not really doing as much graphic design work, being able to get some, hold of something physical and feel the, the pressing of the print and the foil and things like that. It's um, I'm glad that people are, 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 haven't given up on it. What are you saying is wrong with Vistaprint? Because I've just bought a thousand flyers for 15 quid. Have you really? No. <laughs> you're so gullible <laughs> yeah um yeah let's not talk about this i mean the, the the thing is they they suit a market don't they because you know i had to i've had this discussion recently we were talking about the kind of commodity i can't say i can never say it the commoditization i can never pronounce the word uh of of, of design you know um design becoming a commodity you know people being able to build a website very cheaply or get print materials very quickly uh quickly and cheaply uh, but it does fill a market you know for sure you know my my stepdad for example it isn't going to want to have you know letterpress business cards for his local bike shop um you know as much as i'd encourage him to he just couldn't justify it so it's it's gonna they fill a market don't they well i think that i'm going to subscribe to this frankie magazine because it's six editions a year um it's quite pricey to get it sent over but i really like it so yeah it's good sounds good i really do like though what elliot and sam have been doing with legon because is that how you pronounce it legon because I was always just saying Lagom. Yeah, and no, I also said Lagom. <laughs> I don't know. It must be. It's a proper word in some language. I'm not sure. It's Swedish, I think. Yeah, doesn't it mean? It mean, Yeah, it does mean something uh, in Swedish, doesn't it? But I forgot oh, I what it I just, was. I'm going to have to Google it now because we were asking. No, I what forgot now. What a fascinating podcast this is. <laughs> Andy Googles how to pronounce something. It's a Swedish word meaning just the right amount. Yeah, that's it, I think. Yeah. And pronunciation is... Ooh, I don't know. Let me, let me, let me play, the, play the Google thing. Hang on. No, that didn't play. <laughs> I think it would be like La Home or something, if it's what Swedish. A terrible podcast this is. Hang on, let's try again. Uh, no, now it wants to play. Oh, Wikipedia wants to trust a Java plugin. <laughs> have to see. It's a player sound. God, okay, here we go. Let me try one more time. 
No, your Java version is out of date. Click update to install the recommended latest version. Do you know what? No, sod off. <laughs> Block. Why on earth would Wikipedia need a Java applet to play a sound? It's no, 2015. For that's so strange. Anyway, nobody will know what Legon actually sounds like. Or Legon. We can say what we like. Yeah. No, I just I bought the first issue because I like to support everything that Sam and Elliot do because you know, they always do incredibly nice things. I mean, Eight Faces was spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Um, brilliant. And I've got all eight. In fact, I missed one. And um, I was so annoyed because I was away somewhere and it, it sold out. And then I tweeted about being miserable because I didn't have issue five or whatever it was. And somebody kindly actually said, well, I've got two, I'll sell you one. So... I did the same thing actually. I, I still am. I still am missing the last issue. I just missed missed out on it. Um, but other than that, I'm complete. But I did the same thing where I was missing. I think issue two and three or something, and somebody sold them. Elliot's been talking about. I think doing a compendium of all the eight faces in one place in one volume. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, and I would just buy it again. Yeah, and I've already got all eight. But, you know, even if there's no bonus material, I'd still buy it. Yeah, you'd have to, wouldn't you? It's kind of, I'm, I'm a bit of a completist. I don't, I don't like to, um, have parts of sets. You know, if there's a set going, I want to have the whole thing, you know. It would be nice. I only have a few of them. So I don't have them all. So I might, uh, <laughs> complete my, uh, collection. But I didn't know what to expect with this, with Legom, Legum. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I thought I bought episode, I bought edition, you know, the first episode, first edition, because you know I wanted to support them, and I thought, uh, yeah, maybe I'm not going to read it. Maybe it'll just be like a coffee table thing for the office. Yeah, you know, maybe it's going to be a little bit kind of I don't know, hipster, you know, beards. And- but it's nice to read it. The, the the writing is so easy to read. It's nicely written. That's what I like. It. You start reading and you can't stop. Uh, you want to read it completely. <laughs> And it's it's such a nice magazine that you put it on your desk and you you leave it on your desk. They're both lying on my desk, issue one and two. <laughs> no, they did a really really so. good job. I mean, the, the production, the content, everything's brilliant. Um, and issue two, actually, the one that you're in, is even better. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even if there is an article about beards in there, <laughs> which it's a little bit sort of uh, you know beards and coffee brew. <laughs> what happened to your beard? Yeah. Well, I shaved my beard off. This is the simple oh. answer to that. <laughs> I knew you were going to have to come back. Yeah, no, I felt a bit uh, left out in Melbourne because you could not move without bumping into someone with a beard. In, beards on little skateboards. In Melbourne. Beards are in now. No, beards, beards are out. We've, we've reached peak <laughs> beard out. now. We've reached peak beard. Um, so I shaved mine off last June, I think it was, because I didn't want to look like um, Jerry Adams in Alex's graduation photos. Um, so I shaved it off. <laughs> and to be honest, I haven't missed it. Um, you know, no, I haven't really missed it. I, I don't like shaving though. That's the only problem. Yeah. It's a nightmare. And it just costs, it costs so much. They're just so ridiculously expensive. You know, you go to the supermarket you know, or the drugstore or whatever, and, and they're just ridiculously expensive. You spend like twelve pounds for a like what four Gillette blades or something. It's just yeah, the Gillette blades are expensive. Insane. I know because here it has a tough uh, beard <laughs> growth, and yeah, it's one uh, Gillette uh, blade. I think 
in a couple of weeks and <laughs> another one. Well, I have just signed up with a one of these shaving supplies subscription services recently. Um, in the States, they have Harry's, which is one of these places where you pay a certain amount a month or every quarter and they send you all of the materials. And you know, they send you the gel and the, sh- and the blades and, and the after cream and all that kind of stuff. Um, over here, we've got there's, – there's a few. I mean, I looked at them. Um, and there was, a, there was half a dozen different companies that do this kind of thing. And I picked Cornerstone because I just like their website best. <laughs> like, <laughs> completely shallow. It was just the best designed website, and that's what made the decision. Um, and they are excellent because what you do is you pay a certain amount. I forget what I pay now. It's like 18 quid or something. And they send me a bunch of blades every three months. And I, you can change the order. You know, If you want things more often, you can. Um, and then the first time you buy it, First time you order, they give you like the handle and they give you some shaving cream and aftershave balm and stuff like that. And so that's the best shave I've ever had. I'd recommend this if he wants to like, you know, find a new way of getting blades. Really good. <laughs> good. Really good. Actually. Check it out. Yeah, no, I didn't know. You don't shave anyway, Dan, do you? Not very often. Yeah. I'll just get the cat to lick it off. Because <laughs> you're young. You're not as old and grizzled. Yeah. And, and stick, stick my head out the window and it blows and away. Bristly as this. But no, Cornerstone is great. And they have, you, you get this little pack and it comes with, first of all, you get like the sort of scrub and then you get the uh, the shaving cream and the after balm and then the uh, the blades. And it's just brilliant. Really, really good. Anyway, enough of that plug for Cornerstone because they're not sponsoring the show or anything. Because <laughs> I like it. In fact, if you, people haven't noticed really, but I'm not doing sponsors anymore. No, you're not, are you? Yeah. Okay. I just thought, you know, uh, a lot of the people pure. Well, you know, I, I don't do it for the money, and you know, the costs aren't exactly high. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like um, you know, actually hosting the podcast or producing it costs a lot of money. So yeah, I just thought it'd be nice not to interrupt our conversation by talking about. Shaving supplies, and then we end up talking about shaving supplies. <laughs> we do it anyway. No, I know, it's crazy. Anyway, I thought what we'd do is we could talk about perceptions. We talked about this earlier on. Um, yeah. And maybe the perceptions that people have about us or our companies or maybe, you know, how busy we are and how that can just be so different from, you know, the reality. And I had a conversation a few, oh dear, a few months ago on the show with, Paul Boag, and people really liked that episode because they said to me and Paul, God, we never knew that, you know, you were suffering from the same kind of things as us. Yeah, we thought that everything was rosy in Malarkey world or Boag world. And, that, you know, you were these, you know, really happy, motivated, successful people. And, you know, the reality is often very different. And... Dan, you and I, we had a conversation a few weeks ago and I was, I was in Australia yeah. Um, yeah. about how, you know, sometimes, you know, we because we want to put a brave face on things, you know, we talked about this earlier on, you know, we always want to be upbeat. We never, you know, we don't want to be a downer. I mean, there's nothing worse on Twitter than somebody that just moans all the time about, you know, whatever it is. You don't want to be one of those people. So from a business point of view and a personal point of view, it, you try to present your you know, your more positive face. And yet, often in the background, business is really bad and you're not really enjoying it or you're feeling burnt out or whatever. And, you know, when people get together and talk about this kind of stuff, often there's like this collective sigh of relief. It's like, oh God, thank God it's not just me. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the things is, 
you know, that is kind of good and bad about the web in a way is that, you know, we're not alone in, in the way that we are so connected. But at the same time, there's so many people that probably do work alone. I work from home. I know, Andy, you've, you've got a, an office studio you can go to now. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're very connected, but like you say, we don't necessarily want to put that stuff online. So in, in a way, we're kind of not really any better off in that respect. And I think there's a quote, I think it's Steve Furtick that says it about how we compare everyone else's highlight reel with our behind the scenes. So, you know, we, we see what people put on Twitter and Instagram and we kind of think, Oh, they've got this amazing life. And, you know, we kind of only really, uh, see the highlights, right? We're, we're not going to see all the, all the bad stuff, like you say, because people just don't share it as often. So I think it, it definitely led me, um, to a similar position that you were talking about earlier, um, Burley, where it was essentially where I had the same thing last year and I felt incredibly burnt out and just fell out of love with design, didn't want to do it anymore. And it wasn't until I, I wrote an article on, on Medium about it and about how I felt and just, just basically as like a, as a, as a release to kind of say, look, to be honest, things are really, really not great. I'm hating what I'm doing. I'm no longer enjoying design. Um, I'm financially struggling. And the amount of people that sort of email said, I'm so glad you said this, not in a bad way, but because I've been feeling like that or I didn't realize things were so bad. I mean, my family didn't know. Like you said, my family had no idea. Friends mm. had no idea because, you know, you, you kind of, I, th- I think I always expected just to pull through it. You know, you, you sort of think, ah, it will be all right. And yeah. then you realize a year's gone by. Yeah, that's that's what happened for me, for me too. At first, I didn't know I, I was burned out. I didn't know. (laughs) I just didn't know what was going on with me. It was like, yeah, what the hell? I, I feel like depressed and not happy. And uh, I was, I was really wondering what was going on. I actually did some research on the internet and I, I read the symptoms of a burnout and I said, like, uh, yeah, that's what I have. Like, Because it was still uh, 2009, I think, when, uh, no, 2000, yeah, 2009 when I had it. Um, so it was a couple of years later that it, that burnout, the word burnout was was mentioned a lot of times in, in media or whatever, because a lot of people were suffering from it. But at first I was like, what the hell is happening with me? It was also so weird because I couldn't, couldn't focus and I, I uh, sometimes I was staring at my screen and, and I had trouble reading even so it was weird I think I was talking to Harry Roberts about this and we'd had a conversation on the podcast I think it was after the episode with Paul and people saying you know it's really good that you share that kind of stuff and Harry was like well I'm a little bit reticent about sharing that kind of stuff because you know prospective clients might be looking at it going oh well actually you know I'd rather hire the happy guy <laughs> yeah mm. Yeah, I didn't share any of of it either during that time because it was with lots of ups and downs. It was sometimes a, a day or two that I had really trouble, and then the other day I was I was better again. But the thing is, it's like a vicious circle. I was so tired, but on the other hand, I had trouble sleeping. I couldn't sleep, so I got tired and more tired, and I was always stressed. Like I, I sometimes I I woke up in the middle of the night like. With, with a shock, like, like a panic, uh, attack, like, whoa, did I do this? And didn't I forgot that? And oh, what happens, uh, di- when this, uh, 
uh, that guy, uh, I don't know, I was emailing with somebody and, 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 and got a kind of panicked if, if the answer would be uh, negative stuff like that, stupid stuff. But at that time it was like a huge problem in my head. Like it was all like, you couldn't switch your head off. You want, if you want to go to sleep, you want to have your, your, your uh, head at rest. But for me, it, it didn't happen. If I fell asleep, then an hour later I would wake up and, and, and get these panic attacks. It was sometimes really, really bad. So I had the feeling that I didn't sleep at all. So I wanted to sleep, but I couldn't. So it was <laughs> like a vicious circle I had to break. Well, so, I think this idea um, that people find it um, helpful to learn that other people are in the same situation. I mean, I've talked about this a little bit on the show before and, um, you know, we had a bloody dreadful year last year, you know, mm-hmm. from a stress point of view, from a financial point of view, it was bloody awful. And I thought it was only us. I thought it was just us. I thought yeah. it must be something wrong. You know, do, do we need to you know, take the crazy apes off the website or something? Nobody was calling. Um, and actually yeah. you speak to people and, no, lots of lots of my friends that run you know agencies. Um, I was companies. busy during that time, really busy, and the work came in, and I, pro- I made promises, but then, uh, yeah, and then later I had uh, this this deal with Fab, which was really great because then I could like I had like a fixed income <laughs> monthly, so that was actually a good good relief for me, and and then it was busy because of the fact that I that I got other work. Apart from Fab, but after that, after the the work with Fab, then things got more slowly. So I do have like periods that 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 are calm, but that's only like uh, since last year. <laughs> I think that's okay, so, though. Actually, I'm in a, less yeah, less in a way, it's it's okay. Yeah, that if yeah. we have a you know a free week that we're not billing, um, you know, I'm yeah. less and less worried about filling that now that I, you know that I used to be. Um, it's when you it's when you look at the calendar like two or three months out and there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing yeah, between yeah, okay. you know June and the end of the year, and you think you know, well, <laughs> do I have to get a job? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the thing. Is you know, I was in the same position last year. I, I, I probably did five projects last year, and you know, one of them, uh, the company was in financial problems, so it got cut short. Um, uh, I had issues with um, stuff overrunning and my time management was poor. And then the whole time when I was, you know, sort of feeling a bit uh, low as well, um, I was just, I, I didn't want to do the work. So I wasn't putting as much effort into it. And then, you know, it comes to the end of the year and you think, man, I've, I've got no money. I've got a tax bill to pay or whatever. And yeah, it's, it's frightening. It's really frightening. And, you know, just recently, you know, myself and Ryan have, have set up together and we've just hired our, our first full-time employee. Oh, you found and one? Yeah. Yeah. We found, well, when's this, when's this going out? Uh, this will go out on, let me have a look at the calendar. This will go out on Monday, Monday the 20th. Oh, okay. That's fine. So yeah, um, there's, there's probably some more news to follow, so you can probably cut this a little bit out, but, um, but yeah, we know we've, we've hired a, a guy called, um, Matt West. He started, uh, yesterday, which was April 15th. And, uh, he's our, our first full full time uh, front end developer, and but you know it, it adds another worry to it because you know at the moment we're we're obviously scheduling working and we're we're pretty booked for the next six months. But 
you know, knowing how bad it was last year, um, mm-hmm. it does add this another worry where you think, well, what if that happened again? You know, we have two months of, of no work and we're just having to be a lot more proactive in terms of how we manage our time and ensuring things don't run over because both myself and Ryan like made some really bad business decisions last year. And, you know, we worked on projects that didn't have the budget or, you know, we, we personally, you know, we, we didn't manage our time properly and we overran the projects just, to, to some extent, you know, to, on some of them, they were sort of three, four months longer than they should have been. And, you know, it's when things like that happen, it just, you can't do that when you've got other people's bills to pay, you know, other people's wages to pay as well. So we've kind of looking at ways we can, you know, make that easier. But yeah, it's a constant worry, I think, for, for anybody that runs a business, no matter if you've got yeah. one person or, or 200, I think. Um, I'm sure you, you're, you're both agree that there's always that constant worry of, you know, what if nothing turns up or, yeah. you know, you can have six months worth of work and then you get to the end of it and you go, ah, oh, I haven't booked anything else. You go, because you're so busy and occupied with what you're doing right then that comes to the end and you go, ah, oh, well, that's great. I've got, a... but then you're, you're sort of, you're living hand to mouth again because you're, you've finished six months worth of work and you've been paid every month, for example, but comes to the end and there's nothing new booked in. So, that then runs out and you're back to square one again. And that's very much how yeah. we were doing it, you know, before. And it just, it doesn't work. It's, um, it's tough, you know, to run it like that. I think, you know, everybody's got a similar experience. And yet when things are going not as well and you look at other people who are seemingly doing much better, um, you know, it's, it's tough. And talking about these kind of things is, incredibly important so while we had a conversation Dan you and I when we were yeah. in Australia and after that you know, we were Sue and I were walking along looking at the ocean the following day and she just was kept talking about the conversation that we'd had and saying you know it's, it's so difficult for people who work on their own or run small businesses like we do to really kind of talk to other people about you know, what the sort of issues that they're facing. And we're not just talking about, you know, general business issues, you know, contracts or whatever. Or, but just, just learning that actually everybody's in the same boat and kind of learning from each other. And there's not really been much of a, a forum for doing that. Um, no. So she had this idea, which I think is a brilliant one, which is why don't we just have a day-long event? It's a small event um, that Stuff and Nonsense will organise and it will probably be a... You know, like I said, just a small one-day event, limited numbers, you know, 30, 40 people at the most, um, completely free. You know, we'll, we'll foot the bill for the venue and, and, and all that kind of stuff, but you can bring your own coffee. And we'll just organise maybe three or four people that can talk for 40 minutes about a certain thing. You know, not, not, not a conference set up, but, you know, maybe we just want to talk about a certain aspect of dealing with business or or whatever. And I think a lot of it's mm-hmm. her idea stems from what we did with the whole geek mental health thing last year, you know, and then really just have the thing open for discussion. So people can just talk to each other about it. Say, you know, what did you do about this? And there would be some kind of structure. We'd kind of have certain themes, you know, maybe four themes for the different parts of the day. Um, but overall, just a general get together completely confidential. We're not going to podcast it or video record it or anything like that. You know, won't be periscoping the whole thing out. Oh, Dan, I saw you periscoping on the beach yesterday. Oh, I love periscoping you on the beach. Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was yeah but see that's the thing it's coming back to that that's my highlight reel right i don't really sit down the beach every day and <laughs> most of the time i'm sitting in my office having my lunch on my lap <laughs> you know it's it's not that clever but yeah sorry continue <laughs> so we thought that birmingham's a great venue we know a good venue in birmingham it's called the studio we've used it several times for workshops and things like that um and we just thought we haven't organized anything yet so there's kind of no dates or anything else um, or people invited right now. But I just wanted to talk about it today because I thought maybe it would be a good idea just to you know, talk about it today and, you know, get some people's opinions on whether or not they either think it's a good idea and whether they come. Because, you know, we don't want to set the thing up and, you know, just be me and you talking, Dan. Because, you know, oh, that would be okay. Not really. Oh, that would no. be okay. But it would just like a podcast. <laughs> right? um, but anyway, so that, that was the general idea. And we haven't organized logistics or anything else like that yet. I don't know when this thing's going to be, but it'll be within the next, kind of, you know, couple of months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind of thing that I think we need to try to do. And if somebody wants to organize something similar, you know, not on the same day necessarily, but, you know, in their area, I just think, I mean, not like one of these horrible kind of business networking breakfasts, you know, not, not that kind of some bullshit business network, um, mm-hmm. but just a way that people can get together and just talk about something and hopefully realize that, you know, everybody's going through the same thing and you know, maybe some, find some answers. I don't know. I think the main thing is, is like you say, getting the answers because um, I, I don't really want to talk about it on, on Twitter for various reasons, like we were saying earlier, you know, with potential clients seeing it. And also also just the fact that maybe nobody would even reply, you know, that kind of rejection. So having a place where you go to and it's just designed just to to talk about these kind of issues and get answers from people and, and that, I think that's going to be really valuable to people. For sure. So, yeah, exciting. Well, I don't know quite when we're going to fit this in with all the other bits and pieces that we've got because, you know, oh, we're so busy <laughs> all the time, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I thought I th- she's full of great ideas and I thought that this was a good one. Yeah, definitely. For me, it is like busy because of the biking. I, I fit in three times a week biking into <laughs> my schedule. So, yeah, wow. sometimes uh, the busy thing is like, yeah, busy and not busy. It's busy cycling as well. <laughs> so, Well, there's a difference between being busy and being productive, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, right. And I know that a lot of yeah. people are busy being busy, but they actually don't achieve anything. Yeah. Who was it? Somebody tweeted that the other day. Somebody said that... Um, uh, something along those lines where you know you can be busy but if you're not actually doing anything yeah. you're just busy being busy <laughs> <You're> not, <laughs> not not busy working just just yeah but you lose a lot of time in in communication if i see how much time i spend on email and just pure communication it's 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 like i don't know half a day passes if i if i answer all my mails in my inbox <laughs> It's like, yeah. yeah, now I have to quit mail and do some actual work. <laughs> Nobody's solved that yet, have they? Everybody seems to strive for this inbox zero, you know, mailbox did it uh, and you know, tools like Slack and stuff. But I don't, I don't believe it exists. I've, I don't no. think I've ever seen inbox zero. And if I have, it's probably just because I've scheduled everything to come in later, you know, <laughs> yeah. like paused, paused my inbox for a minute. But, um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I think I'd be worried if my inbox was at zero regularly. You yeah, know, maybe. <laughs> it, because it's like, all oh, right, I've replied to everything and my inbox is sitting at zero. Like, I don't know why that's necessarily a good thing to strive for. You know, oh, I've got nobody that wants to speak to me right now. <laughs> um, I usually have like a, a, a different folders 
I have like a folder follow-up and then I move mails to uh, in the follow-up folder. I have like a, a sort of a system to organize and uh, prioritize uh, certain mails. But I'm happy if there are like, uh, I don't know, 10 emails in my inbox and there are a few other emails <laughs> in the folder yeah. somewhere. Then I have like an overview and then I'm fine. <laughs> I'm always at inbox zero, always. Really? Uh, there's, there is absolutely nothing in my inbox right now. I'm looking at my mail and there is nothing in there. And there's nothing in any pending folders or anything but like that. But then you have probably unsubscribed to a lot of things. Yeah, I, mean, I know why I'm subscribed to, uh, to, to maybe too to many things. <laughs> and so there's always some kind of newsletter coming in as well. But Now, I read... And I decide within a second or so whether I will need to delete it or not. So often, I would say that 80% of my email gets deleted. And then I will spend, what I tend to do is I have a folder which is like a pending folder. And if something takes mm -hmm. more than a minute to deal with, I'll just put it in there. But then I'll get uh, around to it. And if there's something yeah. that I need to schedule, then it will go in the calendar. Or it needs to be uh, added to a project, I'll put it into OmniFocus. And that's it. And then inbox is zero. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. uh, my to-do list is huge, but my it's the idea. It's just shifting it <laughs> from head. your email to another but place. The email, yeah. the email is the worst place to have to-do lists like that because you can guarantee yeah. that you know you're looking at ten things to do, and you can do five of them, and in the meantime, five more things have come in, and you feel as if you're drowning. So I only turn on email two or three times a day, and. You know, when I do, I deal with it for 10 or 15 minutes and then it's done and it's closed again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we That's digress. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's also <laughs> something I, I had trouble with when I had the burnout. I couldn't, like, decide. It was, like, all coming towards me, like, I have to do this, 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 and I couldn't prioritize or I couldn't make, like, decisions. I had trouble doing that. It was weird, like, like oh, and then, oh, yeah, I have to do this. And then all of a sudden my mind went to something. Oh, but I have to do this as well. Oh, and, and it was like too much. <laughs> well, speaking of emails that we may or may not want to receive, <laughs> I had a corker this week. Oh, boy, have I been on the rant. And that's not like me because you can imagine I'm normally very calm. I, uh, I normally don't raise my blood pressure. And uh, or get angry about anything. Who would think that of me? No one. I'm like Zen. <laughs> Zen. I'm so calm. I'm like a, I'm like the monk. Buddha Clark. Like the monk of web design. I'm like I'm like a yeah monk. Anyway, not Bob Monk. I'm a monk. <laughs> anyway, oh dear. So let me tell you what happened this week. And this, I'm not going to mention client names because I normally don't rant about clients because I don't think it's fair. But this particular one, just just bear with me. We've worked on this project for about three months, I suppose, uh, on and off. No, you know, not solid. You know, it's not been like a continuous project with some really, really lovely people. I cannot complain about the people that we've worked with at all. Um, they were fabulous throughout the kind of commissioning process and asked all the right questions and didn't come to us with a bunch of solutions like a lot of people do, you know. Then, you know, tell us what they wanted. They told us what the problem was. And we love that. And... You know, we negotiated well and they signed all the paperwork and they're just, they've just been fabulous to work with. We've had an absolutely lovely time. It's been challenging. You know, they've not always been, um, we've not always agreed on things. Um, 
but it's been challenging and it's been rewarding. And I think that we've actually created a design which, well, first of all, it's head and shoulders above the thing that they had from 10 years ago, which they're still living with. Um, I think it's a really nice piece of work that stands on its own. Um, and I'm very proud of it. And then this week, you'll never guess what happened. We got an email from one of the people that we've been working to say that their MD, managing director, had seen the designs for the new site and wanted to make some changes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, some of the changes were fairly trivial, and I think that we could probably just accommodate them because, you know, the guy's the MD. However, some of the changes um, basically unpick very, very, very significant aspects of the design. So, for example, we worked very hard on choosing a colour palette that met the brand guidelines that we had worked out with the people for weeks and weeks and weeks. And we care deeply about that. And all of a sudden the guy turned around and goes, actually, no, can we, can we not do that? Can we have, can we have, you know, my green back? (laughs) And, well, first of all, this is, this, this is what happened. I, I, I threatened to fire them on the spot. Um, I said, we can't work with you anymore. We're really sorry. Um, we've been through this process together over the last so many months. And for somebody to, that we haven't met, that hasn't been to any of the workshops or meetings, that hasn't had listened to any of the design decisions that have gone along the way, to suddenly come in at the end and say, no, you're the designer, I'm the client, do what I want. Um, is is just not acceptable. We, we we can't we can't work with with anybody on that basis. As it happens, we continue to work with them. But you know that that was my response. I had to be very careful. I think in in the way that I presented this because, and it's not just designers being you know egotistical and you know wanting it our own way. And and it wasn't even about how hard we'd worked because you know who cares about that. It was the fact that we needed to make it understood to the client that. We are responsible. We're not just responsible for the look of the website because that's trivial. We're actually responsible for the success of their whole brief, you know, which is to sell more product or to raise their brand profile um, and to, you know, become an authority in the area that they are. Right. That's our responsibility. That's what we're making the thing for. And somebody turns around at the end and just goes, actually, you know, no, stick this horrible green on it. You, you're gonna, it's not going to achieve the goals. So I don't know. How would you handle that? I've had um, I've had experience with this, as probably we all have. But um, I'm actually on a project at the minute that we've actually managed to find a, a solution to this. So maybe it will help. Because basically, you know, we're, we're aware, especially when you work with certain organisations that have a certain structure uh, or hierarchy, that you know the MD or CEO, etc., isn't going to be involved throughout the process. That's just not going to happen. But inevitably. Um, or more than likely it's not going to happen. If they can be involved, then great. Um, but generally we found they, they don't, but they are going to want to put their mark on the design or they're going to have some thoughts on it because at the end of the day, you know, design is somewhat subjective. So they're going to have some thoughts. Um, so when we approached this recent client who we've just started working with over the, about the last month, we, we basically said to them that from the offset, um, and it would be in our contract and it, and it is in our contract that anybody that was responsible for making any decisions at any stage of the project had to be involved from the beginning. And that is not just through the design stage, but through wireframing, through initial discussions, 
um, don't have to be at every meeting and they don't have to, you know, um, answer every email, but they have to be involved to understand the process. And that worked out really well because what, what inevitably happened is we worked on the wireframing, we worked through the research and et cetera. And, you know, DMD was fairly quiet, didn't, didn't really have anything to say about the wireframes because hadn't actually seen a wireframe before. So didn't really know how, what to do with it and just was happy to proceed. Um, when it actually then came through to looking at the more high fidelity work, he had some thoughts and, and I honestly couldn't believe that the first one was, is the logo big enough? Um, <laughs> and that was, that was genuine feedback. And, um, uh, you know, we tackled that. Um, and then the next thing that he talked about was adding, uh, an item to the navigation that wasn't in the spec at all. That also he wasn't involved in specking out the project. Um, you know, that was basically, can we add all these various publications and stuff because our shareholders want to see this stuff. And basically we, we were in a really strong position then because we basically were able to come back and say, look, you know, the reason that's not there is because it doesn't solve your problem. You have told us that you want to make your site more accessible for your, uh, customers. You want potential, um, I'll be careful what I say, potential clients to, um, be able to get certain information. I said, and this isn't pleasing them. This is pleasing your shareholders. And this is not who the site is designed for. The shareholders should be able to find that information, but it shouldn't be as predominant as he is suggesting. And secondly, he hasn't been involved throughout the process. So if this was to be put in, it should have been highlighted at the beginning as a priority, to which they basically responded and said, you're absolutely right. It isn't a priority and it is to please our shareholders. Don't worry about it. And it, it just basically put us in a position where they were, they, they totally understood our process. They totally understood that if he wanted to make this kind of demand throughout the project, that he had to have highlighted at the beginning, it had to be a consideration. It had to be uh, a reasoned decision. It couldn't have just been, oh, well, I want it in there. It had, there had to be a point to it. And it had to be because it solved the problem. So then when it went further and it went through to their uh, shareholders and they basically had a meeting, which actually was only finalized today. Um, they came back and a couple of them said, Oh, we're not entirely sure about the font or we're not entirely sure about the color. Um, but you know, the person I'm dealing with has said, don't worry about that because you know, we've established the typography, we've established the color, we've established the brand. Um, they don't have any clout in that. So they're all the time they're aware that basically they can put forward any feedback they want from anybody in the company. But if they haven't been involved from the beginning, we do have the right to be able to say there's a reason why we didn't do that. And here is the reason. Sorry, we cannot implement that. It doesn't mean to say that if they come back with a really good suggestion, we're just going to say, no, nope. you know, we're standing on our, you know, and on our ego is taking over because that's the point where your ego takes over and you say, no, we're not doing it because we don't want to. If it's something that's fairly easy to do, it actually would improve the goal of the website or whatever it is you're doing, then it'd be silly to reject it just because they're the CEO or just because they haven't been involved in the beginning. But it does mean that in our contract, we can always come back and say, look, this wasn't agreed. And also, you know, there's a reason why it's not in there, you know, because we actually did it. The issue that we had was that the work had been signed off by the people that we were dealing with. So, you know, we'd been through a, you know, a long process um, and they were more than happy with the decisions. It wasn't, as, it wasn't that the guy was coming back with, the MD was coming back with, you know, a helpful suggestion. It was, you know, hmm. no, I want to change the color. You know, I want to change the, I want to yeah. change the look and feel of this website, which was 
you know, it wasn't something that you can argue against. It wasn't something where you can say in your particular case, well, actually, that's not serving the needs of a particular user group or whatever. It was literally a, no, this is what I want. And, you know, you're going to go ahead and, and, you know, kind of work it. And the fact that our people had signed off and, in fact, agreed with us and said, you know, listen, you know, we understand. It's just that's how he is. Um, it's like I need to now think about how we deal with that in the future. And one of the things that I've been thinking is that the contract killer, um, which you know we still use, needs to be updated to possibly include a clause that says that um, the people that sign the contract or the signatories to the contract um, must have permission to sign off the work and, and it not be somebody else um, because – you know, you can have somebody like this that can completely derail and has, almost has, derailed like three months' worth of work. So I'm thinking that maybe the contract um, is one place to start because I'm not sure whether the softly, softly always works in that particular no, situation. No, it doesn't. Absolutely not. Uh, the contract is where we've stipulated it and, you know, they are... They've got they've got their own cover in there for for stuff, but you're absolutely right. It has to go in a contract because you at the end of the day, it's, it, you're you are being hired, like you say, not just to design aesthetics, but to solve a problem and to fulfil their the brief, right? So you know you can't be soft around things like oh, but he just doesn't like blue. I'm sorry if he doesn't like blue, but that isn't that's not. That he's got to let his ego drop, right? So his ego's got to stop at the door as well. You can't, you can't have us coming in and sort of, you know, and saying, right, okay, we're not going to be egotistical about this. We're going to solve the problem and we're going to do a really good job, but we're going to use green because we really like green. Like if we're not going to do that, they can't either. And that, like you say, that does definitely need to be in the contract because everybody's on the same page and having the people that are making the decisions able to overrule the CEO or MD in, in your case, um, I think is, is really powerful. And, and that's kind of what we've been trying to do. And it, and, you know, touch wood right now, it's working really, really well. Everyone throughout the company, there's, there's around a hundred people in this organization and every single one of them knows where they stand. And the people that are involved with the project who are involved in signing off, et cetera, um, they are trusted by everybody else to make the right decisions based on on uh on the brief and the contract and everything that was set out at the beginning so yeah definitely i would i would recommend including in the contract for sure well, you can there will be an update to the contract killer with this in it fairly soon so <laughs> you can maybe do a pull request and help me change the words have you had a situation like this Fila? i actually had a, a bit of a different situation but in a way similar the it was um at the end like it was it was a website a big website was going to go live. We worked on the design for months and another uh, party, another office uh, did the whole coding. And so um, it was like an online magazine and uh, the client had a whole team working on putting articles into the site. Like I think there was like 10 people putting a few couple of thousand articles into the website. So everything was going well and... Um, we also did the logo design. It got signed off. Uh, everything got signed off, like it, sh- it, it should. 
And uh, at the end, the, the big, big boss at the very top decided, like, right before lunch, like, hmm, this is not it. Let's uh, <laughs> trash the whole project. So, no way. Yeah, it was, like, gone, vertically classified. And now there's something totally, totally different online. So um, that got replaced by this. Um, you got paid, right? Yeah. Yes, well paid. And I know the the money, the budget that's spent on that project is like, whoa. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, it, it didn't go ahead. And it was like already, you know, being proud of the whole thing. When, and I couldn't wait to, when it was online because I know it would get publicity. But now, yeah, it's it's nothing. Well, one of the things that I said to uh, to our friends at this particular company was our brief was not just to design this website. Our brief was to improve your business. It was to, um, you know, from a UX, from a usability point of view, we wanted to improve the experience of a purchaser and a supplier and to, you know, basically improve the revenue that's generated through this website. That was that was one part of the brief. But also, we need to, um, we want to improve your stature, your standing through the way that we present content, and maybe even through the content that you produce, and all this kind of stuff. So it was a much wider remit, really, than just putting a website together, which, you know, frankly, any idiot can do. <laughs> and we, through this design, delivered a vision to how to achieve this particular goal. And that's kind of what we're responsible for. Yeah, and as I said to them, look, in a year's time, when somebody turns around at a a board meeting and says, was the money that we spent on the website worthwhile? If they say yes, brilliant. If they say no, it's it's, going to come back to us in terms of, well, those web designers didn't do the job that we set out to do. They didn't achieve the brief. And if the decisions that the changes to the look and feel of this website um, if if they have the effect that I think they're going to have negatively, then that of course impacts on us. It impacts on our not only our, pro- our professional pride, but also our professional rep- reputation as well. So I did say to these people, look, okay, when what we're going to do is we're going to deliver our vision. So the website that we hand over to you and all of the assets that go with it are going to be what you have hired us to do, which is the, um, you know, the, um, the vision as we see it. We'll give you the tools, though, to make the changes that you want to make. You know, if you want to change the logo, then fine. You know, you can change the logo. You can change the green if you need to. But we're not going to do that for you because we believe strongly that it goes against the needs of the project. And what we'll ask you to do, I said, is to sign a disclaimer that releases us from our responsibilities for any success or failure on the website. Mm-hmm. I kind of made that up on the spot, to be honest, in the heat of the moment of this conversation. And then I was thinking later. Makes sense. Does that, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. Would you, would you get somebody to do that? Yeah. I think it's, that's a tricky one, isn't it? Because, um, <sighs> That's in a way. It's you know, there's there's several reasons why you take on a project, and um, uh, you know, <laughs> part of it is being able to talk about what you did and you know the the problems that you solved and everything. And if you know, it's kind of comes to the end of it, and actually, 
you can't talk about it because it isn't how you envisage, then, you know, you sort of think, well, what was, what was the point? Other than getting paid, what was the point of it? There was you know? point, apart from getting paid. I mean, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> like Verley said earlier, you know, that whole project, yeah, you got, you got paid really well for it, but yeah. there's nothing you can do that can stop them just going, no, nope, we're going to take it in another direction and, and this is never going to see the light of day. But you sort of question, I don't know, because the way to, we get more work is by putting out work. So, yeah. you know, we don't, we sign NDAs that last to the end of the project. And then once they're live, you know, we can talk about it and do whatever. We stipulate that because if we are, if we aren't able to talk about the work we've done, people won't hire us because we've not done any work. So in a case like that, where perhaps maybe you were working on that, um, for, you know, several months and then they go, no, we're not going to do it. There's there's always no way to cover yourself, but it's so disheartening because yes, you just you, you can't talk about it. You can't, you know, the, the the satisfaction is gone because you know the uh, the only satisfaction is the fact you're still getting paid. Um, and then you go right I'm on to the next thing now. And you know, I, I'm constantly worried that people think, oh, what have No Divide actually been up to? You know, it's been sort of two three months since we've seen them do anything. You know, but we are really busy, but we're just sort of in the middle of several big things at the minute. And it's, I, I would hate it for the, the end of it. You know, I see that the client has changed something and I go, oh, cause I had it before. I go, oh, well, that means I can't put on that on the portfolio because it's just not, it's not what I designed or you know, they've canned the project or whatever. And it's just, I, there's no way to avoid it, is there really? But I guess, um, I've put manipulated images in portfolios before. You know, I've put original templates in um, in portfolios before. In fact, I don't know whether it's still on the website because I haven't checked our website for a while. But uh, I think it's the Hillsborough project um, where I think the designs that we came up with were actually nicer in, in pre-production than they ended up being in production. Um, and I think what I've actually done in our portfolio is to link to the the, the templates online, um, as well as obviously you know the, the sketch visuals and stuff. That we're- it's a hard one, though, isn't it? Because there's yeah, I've that's, I've done it as well. So we've, we've we've all done that, but it almost doesn't solve the problem. It sort of does, but at the same time, I, I'm kind of worried that clients will go, well, what went wrong then? Why 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 is the real website? or the live website not the same you know is that was that a client issue was it because they couldn't develop it well um what what was the problem then unless you can have that discussion with every single client and go you know just so you know um because i used to do it all the time i'd go just so you know um i'm going to send you some of the work i've done but actually we didn't do the development on that or we didn't do the design of that um and that's it's it's really hard to do because every time you have to have this sort of awkward conversation and go, well, yeah, didn't quite plan out. And and on your portfolio, certainly you don't want to put a you know disclaimer: the project didn't get built properly and therefore it doesn't look good. So go to this link instead because it just doesn't come across no, as professional, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, there's no real solution to it. And I know you know you were talking about Andy. You know, is there something you can do that says perhaps you know? They're not able to make these changes, but that almost goes against, you know, why we build websites that have content management systems and that are flexible and everything, because we want the client to be able to feel like they can use it properly to their, you know, to their fullest. Because if we sort of maybe say, yeah, but you just can't change it at all for six months, are they going to be, 
what's the likelihood they're going to come back to you and go, yeah, we really want to work with you again because um, they didn't have that sort of flexibility that they wanted from the project, you know. I've been wondering it's about a this, I mean, before we get to that, who owns the copyright of your work? When, you know, when everything's been paid up, who, who owns the copyright? The client. Yeah, the client. It's not that I can... Uh, if, they, if they change anything, it's you can only give advice and say... You shouldn't change this or that, or but in the end, they own the copyright. But because I think they, legally, but legally, yeah. we own the copyright as designers. You know, we own the rights to the piece of work that we create, which is why in the contract killer it says we will license this work to you, you know, infinitely, um, but for this one project only. Which you know generally means that they can't just take the the thing and and you know turn it into a theme or reproduce it four times in you know in different coloured themes. Okay, that's interesting. But, but how how do you deal like with the logo? It's not that they sign some kind of contract that they need to pay each time they use it, or it's not like that. No, we don't do that. I mean, actually, oh, okay. when it comes to logos, I think that yeah, I think a logo is is, is a different uh, piece of work. I mean, I think it's yeah. it's yeah, that, that that's theirs. And you know, I've known companies in the past, you know, design agencies in the past that hold on to the rights for that, and they hold yeah. on to the illustrator files, and they don't give you know wow. they don't give the client anything other than the exact size that they need it yeah for. i heard that too <laughs> and 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 even agencies that that ask uh, royalties or whatever <laughs> each time they use the logo really? so i would like, never what? do that no um no. and in the contract that we have so, so. in fact i think it's in the standard contract killer we will say you know we're going to design this the thing that we call the design you know the ensemble of colors and layout and images and and, and text mm-hmm. um we own the, you know, the, the copyright of this assembled piece, and we license it to you for, you know, indefinitely for, you know, for, for this project. Quite often, we will have a client that will say, uh, "We want the copyright assigned to us," you know, yeah, particularly if it's an application or, or something like that. And I'm more than happy normally just to sign that over, just say, like, when you've paid us, mm-hmm. it becomes yours. But the problem with that, again, is sometimes things change. I mean, you know, Dan, you mentioned it a minute ago. You know, we work for something for months or years or however long, and we deliver it, and then it somehow, and this is not just, you know, designers whining, but, you know, somehow it changes or it's spoiled or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not the piece of work that that we made. And I think that that affects us in ways that, you know, impact on our kind of profession, if you like. Yeah. If your name is actually linked to it and people know that you're the creator, yeah, then then it puts you in a bad position. I know what you mean. For example, and this is not just about, you know, graphic design. It can be about uh, UX or information architecture or whatever. But let's just imagine for a moment that we've worked hard to create a design for a website that includes navigation, which is structured in a certain way. Dan, you mentioned this earlier, um, that you've designed it so that the navigation meets the needs of the users, not the needs of the shareholders. And you deliver that piece of work and you come back to it the week after you've, <laughs> the week after it's launched or something, you go, oh, let's have a look at that. And you find that lo and behold, stuff's been added to the navigation, which completely breaks the, um, the, the nice structure that you've created. 
Um, and in fact, yeah. we have this sometimes when um, we'll design something, we'll build a content management system, you know, we'll use Perch. Of course, Perch includes the facility to add things to navigation automatically. Um, and sometimes the clients, um, you know, they, they know that they shouldn't put every link to every page in the damn navigation, but they do. Um, and that can completely ruin not just, you know, our designs, but it can ruin the, the solution to the brief because, you know, it can make things harder to, to navigate or whatever. So yeah. I've been wondering, you know, when I, if I'm going to make these changes to the contract killer, should I put some clause in there that says that they can't make substantial changes to either the look and feel or the content structure or the navigation without consultation? Yes, I mean, it's, again, it's, a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it, it definitely provides a solution to that, to that problem. But I guess it's their understanding of what is major to, to a client is them going, well, we just want to add another page. Is that to them? They, that, that's, that's fairly simple. But it could be that that page then sits in the main navigation. They use the wrong template. They start including, you know, uh, the wrong imagery or, you know, I don't know. They, uh, it's almost, they're not editing the CSS. They're not, you know, changing the, the layout properly, but they're not using it in the, in the way it was intended or, you know, for the, for the same, for the right purpose. And so does that, where does that fit in? You know, is that a, is that a big, big change or, you know, I guess that's that's the thing. It kind of needs need to be that discussion, wouldn't it? Like you say, you can't change the navigation um, without consultation. Um, but then if they, you can add new pages. So you go, okay, so we've added a new page, and go, yeah, but you've used the wrong template for that content. So you know, it, it, it looks wrong, or it doesn't fit in with the rest of the site. You know, and and I think you end up almost holding the client's hand the whole time, and then coming back to you, going, we want to make this change. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Oh, we want to make this. Yeah, that's fine. You know, and suddenly they're asking you if they can change everything or change every time they want to do anything. Oh, we, you know, we, we want to add this blog post, but we're going to have a video. Is that going to be okay? Yeah, that's fine. You know, at, at what point do you need to kind of just say, yep, yeah, <laughs> go free, do, do what you I want. I think that some people are going to be listening and they're going to go, look, Andy, if it gets to that situation, it shouldn't have been in the contract. You just need to have better conversations with the clients. You know, you need to help them understand that you know they shouldn't put this link in the main navigation right? <laughs> yeah. and that's what they're saying right that's what people are out there screaming in listener land they're all that's how you deal with it but it's not always as simple as that because you know first of all we don't often have you know the time or the luxury or the budget to to you know have that establish that deeper level of understanding um, and secondly, three months down the road, when the person that's responsible for the website within the company is told by their senior person that they must put that link in there, well, you know, all understanding and training and, and, and everything else goes out the window. Who's going to argue with the CEO at the end of the day? Exactly. So that's why I'm wondering, and it is only a wonder, whether or not we need to find a better way of, of, of dealing with this. Because... Fortunately, we've had a good conversation now with this particular client. We haven't spoke to the MD. He's way aloof and, you know, wants things his way. We've, we're still talking and we haven't, you know, we haven't fired them yet. Um, and there will be some, you know, resolution to this, but it really has made me think hard about, look, you just spent three months of studio time with, you know, three people giving their time 
to work on this particular project, not just so that we can, you know, we can be paid and, and you know, buy Planet of the Apes action figures, but because we actually genuinely enjoy producing this stuff. It's what you're good at as well, isn't it? It's what you're, it's what you're being hired exactly. for. <laughs> and it, you know, and, it, and it, it takes a shine off it, if, mm. if nothing else. Um, I am kind of wondering. I'll be interested in, in hearing, you know, comments from listeners or, or tweeters. Do you think that, like, a an ongoing support would kind of help with that? So, you know, one thing we're doing with this particular client is we've got a service level agreement with them that outlines, you know, our, the times that we respond to email and, you know, um, what we can help out with and what will be included. Um, but then, you know, like an ongoing retainer as well to basically – ensure that we do you know small maintenance changes or we are there you know within we're able to respond within a couple of hours you know, it's like a, a a kind of ongoing relationship and we're not just sort of closing the door at the end of the project you know but actually having that do you think that would help because they know that they've got this ongoing relationship they've not just kind of waved goodbye and then kind of have got it to got the website to kind of just free reign on it. You know, they, they know that you're always going to be there because they're paying you this sort of monthly retainer to kind of, you know, either whether it's consultation or whether it's to add new features or whatever it is. Um, do you think that would make them think differently about, okay, so we're going to add this page. Should we speak to no divide? Cause obviously, you know, they are there, you know, to be able to assist us with this kind of stuff. Whilst if we'd kind of gone, okay, well, here's everything, the, the site's live, right, next project, and then, like you say, three months later or a week later, you go, oh, they've changed that. It's because they, they almost don't know that we can, we're just on the end of the phone if, if, if they need us or, you know, we're able to answer an email because they think, well, let's just get it done because, you know, we've paid them and our work is finished with Here's them. Here's a problem that I think a lot of web designers face, and this has been a general discussion. I was talking to um, an agency head when we were in Australia about this very, this very um, situation. Back in t- advertising days, advertising agencies or design agencies would have an account and that would be a contract that would be signed over a period of time. You know, it would be, I don't know, a year to handle your business or whatever it would be. And on the web, that's not generally what happens. We get hired for projects. Somebody comes along at the, at the simplest level and says, you know, how much for a website? Um, and that's what we, um, as an industry, have just accepted. You know, we've accepted that. Um, it's not an ongoing thing often with many clients. It's just per project rather than an account. And often when, and we've always struggled, always struggled as a business to try to find a way of um, working with people long term. We've never charged, as some people have done, you know, maintenance contracts because, you know, purchasers need oiling. You know, it's not like, you know, you have to kind of change the tires on it. But recently I've been thinking, Listen, this could be a way in which we can kind of, um, I don't know, alleviate some of this problem or avoid it altogether. But it, it's, it means that when we get the deal, it means that for me before we get the deal, when we're negotiating with the client or even, you know, on that first call, I'm going to have to say, okay, you know, thanks for your interest, Dan. We don't build websites that cost £10,000. What we want to do is we want your website business over the next two years. And, you know, 
we want you to budget, I don't know, let's say £30,000. I'm making figures up as we go along. Um, and that's going to be your website cost spread over the next two to three years. Um, you know, we are your people for that. And then maybe that's the way we have to do it, but it's not how most designers work. Yeah, I mean, that, it's, that's a solution, isn't it? I mean, that's not... My worry with that is always, you know, scope creep. If they think, oh, we've got them for two years, you know, uh, a project that Brian worked on when before we formed No Divide last year was was exactly that. They basically um, spread the payments over a year and basically felt like they had him for a year. So he ended up building much more than he billed for. Um, he was there working evening and and you know all day, all night um, because they were paying this monthly fee and he felt like he always had to be there. And I think what we're kind of suggesting is almost different in the, in respect of we're saying you are getting something that is finished and you are signing off on. But when that sort of project ends, there is still, we're still there. You're only paying us a small fee, but we're there to be able to answer your emails, to answer questions, to ensure, you know, that the site stays up if we're responsible for hosting or anything like that. Um, and we're there as a consultation. So, You've got an idea for a new page or you want to do some split testing. Let's talk about it. It's, it's not, we're not billing for any particular thing. We're almost just billing a small, small enough fee so that they know that we're a constant contact and that they're not just, you know, saying goodbye to us at the end. How about working it so that for you, I mean, I'm just kind of hypothesizing here, but if you were to say, okay, you know, we want to work with you over three years, that's our, you know, that's, that's, we've got your account. If you like, if you want to phrase it like that. And that means that we get to work with you for, let's say, because we do weekly billing, uh, one week every month. Yeah. And, you know, what you pay for over those, what would that be? 52, 150 weeks ish. Yeah. That works out. Is that how many it is? 52 weeks a year. Yeah. No, anyway, however, however many bloody weeks it is. Um, 52 in a year <laughs> yeah yeah i'm hopeless but you know let's say you, you're talking about one week a month and it costs a certain amount and they pay that that means that potentially you know a small business like ours um only needs four clients yeah i mean it, it would probably work for some people that's the thing is there's it and and i know people uh friends of mine that work in very very i'm talking 500 plus size agencies and they'll have a contract with say virgin for example and they will they will be their digital team. So it's built, they build a custom content management system. They build a custom uh, CRM for them. They integrate with all Virgin systems and they are the digital team of Virgin for the foreseeable future. And they pay it a hell of a lot of money every year for that service. And that works for them because there's 500 plus people in it and they have a, they literally have a dedicated team of 15 people that work on Virgin or whichever, you know, I'm just using Virgin as an example, but you know, on this particular project and that works really well for them. We could, we couldn't do that the size we're at, you know, we're four people. We, we literally couldn't have, you know, you, if we were to suggest to somebody, okay, well, you're going to have a developer you know, a week, a month for the next three years, it'd be cheaper for them to hire them themselves. Or, you know, there's that kind of awkward, what are they getting? Um, so I guess it probably works for some people and it may be, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it would work for a smaller company, but like you say, you would end up only really probably realistically, you know, with a team of say two or three people working on probably three or four projects a year because of the way that you know, they've got this constant kind of, ongoing project um 
And if that's what you want to do, that's great. But it's probably not what I'd want to do. I do want to have an exist, an ongoing relationship. But what I don't want to be doing is just be, I don't want no divide, for example, to, I wouldn't want it to be the digital arm of a larger corporation. And that's basically, we just build their website because we may as well just be employees. So what are you suggesting? If you're not working on kind of like, you know, one week a month, a schedule thing, but you want to be charging them on a monthly basis, let's say, do you? Is that what you're saying? So that, you know, they know that you're you're available kind of on the phone if they have questions. What do you do? You're billing that hourly or daily or how does that work? No, no. I mean, so for example, with this one particular one, it's it's basically it's uh, like a service agreement that basically says that we are on on call these hours, we're on email these hours. This is when you'll get response times. We'll ensure that any bugs are fixed within six months of the project going live, free of charge. After that, they 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 are charged for at this rate and X and Y. But that that little contract is just a really small fee. That's basically just states that they've got us on email within like a certain amount of time and they can consult with us for a certain amount of time free of charge. So I guess it's probably like we probably work out, okay, we'll spend, you know, um, uh, a day or two days a month, you know, doing a bit of consultation or having a chat with them or whatever. And that's what we, that's what we're billing for. And then any work is actually just booked in just as a normal project would be. Um, that's kind of what it is. It's not. It's not necessarily an ongoing work thing. It's more of a, a service kind of <laughs> um, thing. Do you charge people a, like a monthly fee, Vila? No, it's more on a project per project base. Yeah. With Fab, it was like that because it was like uh, four years that uh, that I worked wow. almost like yeah only for them, <laughs> and I yeah I had to. Uh, decline a lot of other work so it was more like almost exclusively for them because they were filling my days and that was uh, per month uh, but apart from that no we haven't actually had some similar situations where i had to build a, build a, um send invoices on a monthly basis so it's usually per project but it's yeah I've been listening and it's, it's, it's interesting. I haven't been in, in, uh, this particular situation, uh, because usually in, with, with, with web projects, uh, especially the last couple of years, we've, we've done more, um, design only pro- um, projects. So not coding and only smaller ones, uh, we've done coding and CMS, but I've, n- I've had, didn't have any problems or, this kind of situations where the client did change stuff and luckily, <laughs> but it's due to, to the, the kind of projects we had, but I can imagine it. It's a problem. Um, We've just spent a wonderful week. Uh, this is, this has been one of those things. It's kind of been one of those roller coaster weeks where some things have been, you know, really quite hard work and other things have been, uh, really, really good. We've been doing a, a lovely week where we've been, uh, just working on pure branding and, uh, such a joy. To be able to do that kind of stuff. I'm into book cover illustration, <laughs> book cover design. That's been really good. Thank you very much for spending the time. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, thank you, Andy. So uh, anyway, people can follow you down on Twitter. You are, I can't believe you've got this, this username, at DE. <laughs> yeah, that's short one. Dan mm-hmm. Edwards, DE. That's brilliant. The the problem uh, <laughs> is, is I get so much spam. You would okay, so you, because do you use tweet it's insane. Right. Yes. So tell me what user number you are. 
Oh, I don't. Oh, but yes, but I am. Uh, that account I actually set up not long oh, okay. ago. Um, but I think I joined this on this. I joined Twitter in two thousand seven. Um, but I think this particular account I didn't set up until like two thousand and ten. I thought you'd have been so to be really early to get de. No, I just luck. I basically it was taken, and I. Uh, my website at the time, it was when I first set up as Dan Edwards Design. I'd moved away from kind of calling myself an agency and I was just Dan Edwards Design. And I put a logo on my website that was DE and I wrote to Twitter and I wrote them a little poem and I'm not lying. I wrote them a poem and I've actually somewhere on an old Tumblr of mine, I've written about this. Um, I wrote them a poem and said that it made me really sad that I couldn't have DE and that my logo was DE and I'd really, really like to have it. And they gave it to me and I couldn't believe it because before that I had underscore Dan Edwards, which was just oh, the worst. Nice. Um, and yeah, and they gave it to me. But then within a few hours, I kind of realized the, the downsides of it because I get probably around 150 spam mentions a day because people are either mistyping where they perhaps, you know, um, they miss, they, for example, there's a, a football, pl- uh, a goalkeeper. I'm not a, fo- I'm not a football fan. So I've probably got his name wrong, but I think he's, uh, the gear or the get the hair or something like that. He's basically the Manchester United goalkeeper. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Um, but what people do is they, they put at DE and then they put a space GEA, which is his name. But obviously I get that mention. And then you get the people that basically, um, the people that are street. So they go, I'm at D gym and they put at D gym. So I'm at DGM or I'm at McDonald's, you know, uh, at, uh, no, not that wouldn't work, but you know I what I mean. mean? Like I'm, yeah. So they, you get them and then you just get the ones from Indonesia that just literally they, they tweet at DE, at EE, at FE, at BE, all the basically two letter. They just tweet that like five, 10 times a day. It's, it's insane. Like my stream is so hard to keep up with. And I think I do a pretty good job of replying to people, but. Um, it is hard to keep on top of, you know, and I, I block a lot of the ones that sort of, because there's some people that literally will have conversations with other people and just leave my handle in and they'll go, huh, who's this at DE? <laughs> you know, and they just leave it in. <laughs> so I just have to block them because I just get, you know, they, 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 they can't understand Twitter. So, um, that was a really long discussion about my Twitter handle, but at DE. And your new one, because your studio uh, name with Ryan, at No Divide Studio. That is us. And people can follow Vila too. They should follow Vila. They have to follow Vila. It's, it's, <laughs> it's mandatory to follow Vila on Twitter. You're a moron if you don't follow Vila on Twitter, because she's at V Peters. If you say it. <laughs> V-P-I-E-T-E-R-S. And, you know, yeah. people can follow me at Malarkey. To ask questions or suggest topics, they can also message this show on Twitter at unfinishedbz, or you can email me, he has at unfinished.bz.